If I lost it all today, would you stay? Could my love be enough to stimulate? If shit hit the fan, grenades got thrown, would you still show? Oh, could you go down with me to the map? Could we get back up and eventually laugh? Roll eyes at highs, cheers in the lows, and stay in the flow. I'm so popular. We've been for now many months, it seems, unpacking heartbreak on the show and most recently through pop music like Utari Hikaru and the sparkling music of Kylie Minogue. And it is all coming to a critical climax today as we dive into one of the most misunderstood and perfect records ever made, Katy Perry's Witness from 2017. And I'm joined by... And I'm so popular, superstar, all-star diva extraordinaire. Who are you? Hi, I'm Vera. Welcome Thank back, you Vera. For having me on for this emergency Katy <laughs> Perry Witness episode. <laughs> when I've known that I was going to cover Witness this season for a while, but the timing has become really critical and like you said this is emergency Katy Perry all hands on deck episode this must get talked about immediately it's like um an Evangelion crisis when the angels start coming in and all the screens flash red saying danger um and yes. it is pointing Tell me to me witness <laughs> what's new with you Vera what have you been up to well I have also been dealing with my own heartbreak as you know we are <laughs> sisters in heartbreak <laughs> um i moved into a new place and life has been chaotic but thankfully Katy perry's witness album <laughs> has been my guiding light beautiful yeah we had mirrored um love falling outs uh you were obsessed with a leah woman and as a, uh, sorry, you were obsessed with a Leo woman as a Libra woman yourself, and I was obsessed with a Libra as a Leo myself, so we were staring into the mirror, seeing the eye in the mouth, um, and now here we are to chop off all of our hair and bleach it blonde and scream into the abyss. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This album has such a special place in my heart Mm -hmm. and in my memory because it sticks out as the soundtrack to the early days of Trump derangement um, in 2017. And I feel like we can't talk about witness without talking about that that moment and that you know the the 2016 election and Mm -hmm. the insanity and the hysteria (laughs) (laughs) it's it's really such a touchstone it really feels in some ways that it was made out of the air like witness feels like the entire 
ambient static of the universe being focused into one pristine object. And it makes sense that people had such a hard time stomaching it because it is such an uncanny object and, like, it's made of glass. It shows horrifying funhouse reflections of the world. It is so finely crafted out of all of those impulses that you really just can't believe that it exists. And I remember in 2017, um, it was right right after, I think, the Trump election, we got Change of the Rhythm, and I remember that it, at the same time, Joanne was coming out as well. And so <laughs> there was something wrong in pop music, and I remember looking at this music, hearing it sometimes on the radio, we're playing it with friends and everyone being baffled, horrified, and then escalating to ridiculing cruelty. Yes. I uh, remember Witness, um, or Change of the Rhythm, rather, playing constantly on the radio um, where I worked at the time when I was in college. And it was just on a loop seemingly <laughs> and as all this hysteria surrounded me you know it just like drove me insane and um <laughs> i but it, it was so fitting and people were baffled by it because katie it's like you said witness is like this mirror and so katie was like holding up a mirror to all of the deranged liberals who were <laughs> freaking out mm. that Trump had won. And she's like, uh, and she took their derangement and made an album, seemingly like made an album out of the zeitgeist. And she was so kind of over the top and hyperbolic with her purposeful pop <laughs> that people were embarrassed you know, and for someone to be able to do that when Trump derangement was still so like nascent and like budding, that's incredible that she actually made people embarrassed of something that to this day people are unwilling to acknowledge happened. Mm. It's like 2017 and 2018. It's like people just want to pretend like that moment in political and pop culture like didn't happen. And I love that witness like forces you to dive into that like swamp insanity you know and like face it <laughs> absolutely it is so horrifying at times and when you listen to it you can really go right back to that strange atmosphere i have a lot of really like cutting vivid memories of actual instances of hysteria. I remember sitting in the student government office on the day of the election as people were literally spellbound, red-faced, runny nose, choking back tears, like gasping from time to time. Um, my favorite thing was that uh, I had a friend who made a cake uh, celebrating the a woman taking the White House, and she had made a really lavish cake with an edible White House on it, and I remember looking at the cake and just staring at it as everybody realized slowly what was happening. Um, 
more than that, the sort of like screaming quality of everything that began to encroach upon America where everything became so shrill and high stakes and dire and every news publication was racing to find like apocalyptica like in every facet of anything that Trump did. And so the entire like news cycle along with like the social tone of things was just bordering on like an Elizabeth Taylor panic attack and like identikit squirming around on the street. Yes. I yes, I totally agree. I remember that the night of the election, uh, the newscast was on in my dorm like lounge <laughs> and I stayed up and saw that like Nevada went blue and I was like, whatever. And for the record, I was a Jill Stein fan. <laughs> <laughs> I voted for and, Hillary. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I, I was a Jill Stein fan and intended to vote for Jill Stein. And then I got my ballot and she wasn't on it. So then I voted for Hillary. But um <laughs> Let's just say that AHS cult really hits uh, <laughs> close to home for me. But I, I, I was never convinced that Hillary had it in the bag. And like all the girls at my school, at my unnamed women's college, um, were convinced <laughs> that Hillary was going to win. And I just remember thinking, why? Like, why do you think that? You know, because they were from these like Northeast liberal bubbles. And they were... Uh, they were convinced that Trump didn't stand a chance. I thought that it could have gone either way. I had no clue. So I woke up on November 9th and I checked my phone and I saw that Trump won. And I shit you not, as soon as I read that, I hear the most blood curdling <laughs> Laura Palmer firewalk with me freak come from somewhere in my dorm. Oh. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> like, happening this again. is not going to be good. And I <laughs> knew that, it, that, that a cosmic shift had happened. And, like, melancholia, like, the planets colliding. <laughs> and that we were never going back. And that, no. like, everything had changed. And the hysteria descended pretty quickly after, like everyone was going insane and then like it drove me a little bit crazy too and then you know chain to the rhythm <laughs> becomes this fixture and Katy Perry's witness was kind of the last big pop culture thing that I remember before I decided to completely tune out of pop culture mm -hmm. now did you like it when you were first did you listen to it all the way through? Oh, yeah, I actually did. I thought Swish Swish, Swish was fun. Um, <laughs> and the video, again, the music video for Swish Swish is an example of Katie holding the mirror up to pop culture, yes. and making everyone uncomfortable because she decided to include all these meme things and this internet stuff that obviously ages like a banana <laughs> two seconds later <laughs> it's you know passe and so now you watch it but i feel like enough time has gone by now where you watch it and it's like 
almost charming and funny mm -hmm. because it's like this relic, this like ancient <laughs> fossil, you know? And um, I liked Witness. Like when I, when it first came out, I did like it. It really baffled me because it is, it's like besides the big uh, singles, it's a very slow album. It's mm. like slow, sad, and it's a long album. It is. It's quite I was, long. I was taken aback by that. Yeah, because for context, thinking about Katy Perry's career before Witness is quite amazing to think. She accomplished something that no one will ever be able to accomplish in pop music ever again um, with Teenage Dream, which became literally bigger than a Michael Jackson record. Um, that will never happen again when we're alive on Earth, and she was the mm -hmm. last to do it. Um, Teenage Dream is such a perfect distillation of American commercial values and is so immediately satisfying. It's not overcooked. It really feels like it is so natural and easy. And even Prism, which I think is a pretty, um, like, the catastrophic album, honestly, it's, like, really <laughs> obnoxious. Dark Horse is horrible, but even that, you know... <laughs> made had songs on it that were still huge like dark horse is so enormous and i remember the last time i spoke about katy perry with a lesbian all the way on season one of i'm so I popular episode when she talks about uh her her dead twin <laughs> it's a really uncanny episode Shout out to that girl she was fun was <laughs> kenna <laughs> but yeah i am um, I remember kind of underplaying the impact of prison, but even that was still really like a cultural mainstay. And if yeah. I recall correctly, roar, I mean, roar. Oh my God. Wow. Roar. I know. Wow. I like, uh, I like walking on air. I mean, like there's stuff on Birthday. prism. <laughs> is <laughs> There's stuff on prism that I like, but I actually like witness more. I think witness is easily my favorite Katy Perry album. I, I, is it my, I don't know if it's my favorite. I listen to I it mean, more than like, Teenage Dream, so. I listen to California Girls 50 times a day. <laughs> but I think that, like, Witness, like, has such a distinct direction and artistic style to it that really like sets it apart it's almost mm -hmm. like in its separate in a separate league within her discography and it sticks out so much among pop especially like 2010s pop which is like so terrible and <laughs> yeah. disgusting just slop pig slop you know <laughs> like witness sticks out because she had this very interesting like artistic vision with it like yes. the the album art is fascinating she so i actually think witness would have been a more successful album if she had chosen some of the other images and mm -hmm. like any one of the other images which if you've seen them they're very striking and she actually is pulling from i believe the japanese uh airbrush illustrator um Peter Sato, yes, who is kind of similar to Patrick Nagel, and um, Suriyama is like more famous, and they have a similar style. But it's fascinating to me that like someone on Katie's team like must have been deep in the blogosphere and like found Peter Sato 
illustrations and decided to make this the basis of her album art because Peter Sato's illustrations depict women teetering between peril and ecstasy. Mm. And I think that's exactly what Trump derangement syndrome was for a lot of women because there isn't, there's an ecstasy in hysteria. Yes, absolutely. There is this, really unique opportunity in hysteria to engage in the carnival and the pageant of life by feeling such extreme emotions that they begin to radiate out of you and start making you tremble and weep and shriek. It is sort of like a religious ecstasy. It's like Magdalene ecstasy, literally, to feel so like intense and horrifying. And um, I've been talking about Midsummer a lot recently. It keeps like popping up, and I re- I just rewatched it. And that last mm-hmm. scene of the Swedish cult all freaking out and screaming and everything like it is a moment of unquestioned sublimity. And I do completely agree that these images are reaching for that. Um, in the artwork that's not featured on the cover, they have like these highly saturated and deep contrast like white geisha makeup with these like deep striking eye colors that I find really compelling and they're very like vibrant but they're also cold and isolating at the same time and there is along with the hysteria of witness there is also this like algeic like deep purple bath sadness on it whenever I hear Mm -hmm. I get like such a color palette of like that like electric washed out purpley blue and it is such a unique like color palette and imagery that she's going for in the artwork. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Yeah, no, she captures a certain 80s pastiche in a way that no one else has. And it's very Patrick Nagel mm-hmm. with the color scheme. And it's also very flash dance. I've been thinking about flash dance a lot because it's one of my favorite movies. And I think that witness actually captures a certain 80s pastiche that few people have dared to evoke which is this very flash dance thing of like loud synths synths in a big empty warehouse yeah like big empty warehouses gutted by globalization and just like a lone woman dancing in the emptied out heart of America, <gasps> like 80s, 80s austerity. Like she's conjuring this very specific thing that I think is so genius because there there was something about immediately after Trump was elected, everyone, I and mean, during the campaign as well, everyone kept comparing him to Reagan. Mm-hmm. And so there was this kind of parallel to the 80s and, you know, this notion that we were about to enter a very 80s-like era, which, you know, whenever people talk about the 80s, it's always very partisan. And, like, a lot of people now especially are like, evil Ronald Reagan, blah, 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 you know. But the 80s was a fascinating time of simultaneous austerity and ostentatiousness absolutely and there was this like bizarre polarization and i just find it so genius that katie is like evoking that for her trump derangement john mayer breakup album (laughs) (laughs) because there is a decadence of course in the 80s that is also tinged with like 
this aching pre-modern sadness of the world beginning to expand far more quickly than you can possibly understand in one moment. So you feel like you're standing in the warehouse, like you said, and everything is changing so rapidly outside of your control that it's like overwhelming and ostentatious, like you said, and frightening, but it does have that degree of ecstasy when you're dancing in the big purple sense in that empty room. And when you're dancing like a maniac, what a feeling. Oh, what a feeling. <laughs> and even like the, um, the, the, font and like the typeface that they use for a lot of the because the cover I believe doesn't have um text on it or or if it is it's really small and incursive next to her yeah it does it's just the eyeball in the is there any text I think there is one by her ear I'm looking at it now but the everything else is um decorated with like that watch typeface that also feels like kind of like 80s so there's yes there is such a, a unique and like cohesive um imagination behind the visual direction here that was very absent on prism um and but was of course so there on teenage dreams so it has that mm -hmm. pedigree of extremely well-funded um artistic design that makes sense with every single um, page you look at. I really wish I owned a physical copy of this album so I could, like, leaf through it. They sell it now for, like, four cents and they target discount jars. So you can all get a copy and everyone should have a witness shrine in their house, I think. Yeah, I actually don't have a physical copy, but I'm going to get one. But you can... Um, you can find some of the album art online and, like, I've posted some of the images without mm -hmm. any contextual information on Twitter. And I think that some people have liked it because they think it's like Soriyama or Peter Sato or something. And I'm mm -hmm. like, girl, you just liked a Katy Perry picture. <laughs> <laughs> Tricking people into standing witness. Amazing. And of course, the most important visual aspect of this whole album what shocked the world the first the last time that this will happen in history again is a woman got a haircut and it changed everything Katy perry <laughs> chopped her hair very very short and she bleached yes. it very very blonde and yes. the, people thought that this spelled death for her and I remember watching on the Ellen show when she did that deranged interview that she said it was because um, she'd bleached her hair so much that it had kind of like fried it. And so she decided to uh, cut it down. But I really think that she was um, physicalizing her internal anguish by the mm -hmm. ancient Japanese tradition of cutting your hair after you break up with someone. <laughs> yes. Well, what's fascinating about Katy Perry is she's actually a natural blonde who dyes wow. her hair dark. And so that gives her that kind of Lord Byron Elvis thing where she has a fair complexion and this dark hair. And so it really makes her, her whole face pop, you know? And so she actually was like returning to her roots in a way by going back to blonde. Wow. But I need, let's, let's talk about the haircut because <laughs> yes. the haircut is so important. <laughs> Because the last haircut before that, that caused a lot of drama, was Miley's bangers haircut. Mm -hmm. Now, Miley's bangers haircut and Katie's witness haircut are very different. 
And <laughs> it's not just the styling. It's not just that Katie was older. There is mental illness emanating <laughs> from Katie's haircut in a way that was not the case with Miley's. Like the, the haircut introduced non-binary imagery and energy into popular culture it is not it is the debut of the non-binary haircut oh my god <laughs> you're gonna kill me <laughs> you're so right um when oh. you look at that video the video where she's like you know the video that I'm uh -huh. talking about where she's facing the camera head on and she's like, my name is Katy Perry. Like, what is she even? And she, it's she's like, like, I'm Catherine. I'm Catherine Hudson. I'm Katy Perry. I'm <laughs> and she, it's like this dead, terrifying video. It's, I think it's like slowly zooming in on her. <laughs> there's like noise coming from the haircut you know what i mean there's like there's like dog whistles coming from the haircut yeah like there's something well one thing is that to be honest it does not suit her we can all agree on it yes. it's it is and strike. she's a beautiful woman she is gorgeous but and she's very voluptuous and she is like yes. this you know larger than life like round beautiful like full woman and so that mm -hmm. dastardly haircut on her makes her look monstrous and honestly it is the perfect haircut for this perfect album and yes. she, she couldn't have had any other hair for it but it is disturbing and unwell and especially when you see her in like press junkets and when you watch her on television being interviewed and there is less control over the image that she's producing it really gives screaming mentally ill non-binary noise emanating, emanating from the haircut it oh my is, god it is it is it's loud it's loud <laughs> it's deafening it's a and deafening roar oh my god <laughs> you're gonna hear her roar because katie katie is so fascinating because to me she's kind of similar in a way to Annette Funicello or like Esther Williams like she has this inner radiance this like old Hollywood radiance about her and then to see this change in her appearance it was literally I understand like why people freaked out and like it yeah. was we're fine because it was like oh my god it's the end of the world it is you know it's the end of the world so Katy Perry has cut her hair <laughs> and what yeah how amazing was it that she had the cultural relevance at the time to cause all of this discourse but um it, the haircut is another moment of the abject mirror that sh like shows the light um because I know lots of people who've gotten disturbing haircuts in the face of a, a mental health episode or some freakout, and seeing it literalized so painfully on her, and then the makeup in this era, the makeup is unbelievable. What on earth was going on? It is so dark and so yeah. loud. Like she was wearing all of these like almost black colors on her lips, and like the, the most intense drag queen blush and highlight and 80s out of control eyeshadow that would kill like a victorian woman if they looked at yeah. it yeah it would well, make this them is explode when, 
<laughs> yes. This is when drag queens started to kind of become mm -hmm. mainstream. And so now it's been so normalized for like straight women to like, you know, like normal women to wear like drag makeup. But like at the time it was still kind of novel. And I, I remember the kind of now infamous SNL performance of Swish Swish featuring the drag queens, which also this is a glittering moment of witness history because didn't Migos, whatever they are, did they like refuse to appear with the drag queens because they were like, we don't fuck with homos. And Katie was like shocked. Yeah. And like, like had a breakdown. So apparently there's been lots of narration about this and people go back and forth about it some people say that migos did not um say anything homophobic or, or um choose not to perform with drag queens on stage but something did go wrong and they did ask half of the drag queens who were sitting at the bon appetit snl table to not sit there um and the inclusion of migos is also like another death siren like you, we've <laughs> talked a lot about, like, the nightmarish influence of trap music on pop culture in America, and them rising out of, like, whatever Atlanta muck to appear on Katy Perry's, well. like, Psycho <laughs> Freakout album is makes a lot of sense. They're so out of place and scary, and then I think about the fact that one of the Migos is now dead and got, like, shot up in a bar over like, a gambling, like, debacle. So... Wow, if you watch yeah. that, it's like a living tombstone. Very scary. It is. And Bon Appetit is what the menu thought it was. Like, <laughs> the worst, that is probably the worst movie I've ever seen. I've never, like, been mad that I spent money and time on a movie except for that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine. Anna Taylor-Joy seems like she has some nefarious uh, plan for the world. She's going to get us. It was her and Voldemort. It was so bad. It was <laughs> oh the worst thing I've ever... I was, and I was blasted when I saw it. And I could still tell it was bad. Oh, no. Um, but Bon Appetit is like... I just love it so much. I mean, she's literally singing about being so obsessed with someone that you want them to eat you. Yeah. Like literal cannibalism. And it, the, the video depicts her being massaged and seasoned and put in a soup and baked and then served up on a platter. It's extremely shocking and titillating because it is just like the the epitome of like objectifying you know <laughs> uh, a woman's body and uh it's it's shocking to watch now because i it, you know that doesn't fly these days no it's really wild too because of course katy perry introduced this album rollout with um a cursed set of two words she said the phrase purposeful pop and it ended it ended her career immediately because yeah. From that moment onward, people were expecting, like, the epitome of, like, Trump-era literature, where they were going to be able to process their feelings about what had happened and 
it was going to be like healing and intentional and positive for social justice. And the thing is, is that it is purposeful pop and she did accomplish all of those things, but it was in a way that was unpalatable. And I actually think that Bon Appetit is highly intellectual and stirring. And everyone mm-hmm. is like, this song is a stupid, fun pop song. It's just it's like a food metaphor. I'm like, no, it is a, <laughs> it's about cannibalism. And yeah. she, the idea of her getting eaten up and like when she gets put into the boiling pot in that video, it is intentionally uncanny and creepy and is actually yeah. like one of the most like, interesting things she's done with her sexuality like since teenage dream yeah and it's like it's disturbing and it's gross it's gross (laughs) it's nasty and then it's just uh it is just so funny that the migos are on it sweet potato pie yeah (laughs) okay Offset. You know, it's it's like uh, it, it was nice. It was an act of charity uh, for Katie to, you know, <laughs> allow them to uh, rap. Um, and yeah, it, I I loved that song. I and, do too. Uh, I still love it, and it's catchy. It's really catchy. The production is really enticing, and the single artwork for that is also such an atrocity and an abomination it's like a picnic blanket with like rotten food on it and then just like katie perry's face with that haircut it's so gross the haircut on full display (laughs) yeah it's so yucky it's very um the you know the bible story of like decapitation yeah like i'm forgetting my Bible stories now, but it, it just like it conjures up like so many like mythical parallels, mm-hmm. and it is like off putting, and it is it's great again. Like, so much of this album actually is so transgressive because it does make you so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know. Like, there was nothing uh uncomfortable about her previous albums, really. I mean, I guess like I Kissed a Girl made people uncomfortable in some way i remember discussing it on the playground in fourth grade (laughs) yeah i was uncomfortable by it i remember asking my mom if it was okay if i could buy it on itunes because it was kind of scandalous to me and she said (laughs) she like laughed at me and i was like duh but yeah that that was it and never again because she was literally like cotton candy the human being it was like meant to be easily and thoughtlessly consumed which of course is for the better and so then when she's asking you to consider um, it is transgressive and shocking. Bon Appetit is a really good example of like the total effect of the album. Yeah, and then so the title track Witness. Oh my god. Let's let's talk about Witness. Ooh. I love this song. Me too. It captures heartbreak so well and so sincerely because it's like the immediate aftermath of a breakup you feel like your limbs have been ripped off and you feel like this atrocity has just occurred to you and you're just like is anybody seeing this like she captures this very embarrassing and honestly undignified emotion that breakups bring out which is this like 
is anybody watching? Like, does anybody see my pain? Can I get away? <laughs> <laughs> it's the eye in the mouth on the cover really resounds with me because it is, she's pleading for someone to witness her pain and ensure to her that it's real and that this inner psychic turmoil, which is beyond all measure of tolerability, that she is like literally cracking apart into pieces, her begging for it and putting that eye everywhere um, and theming yes. the the album after this song is so, so touching to me. And it's also like metaphysically fascinating. It feels like very like philosophically stirring because yes. the only way we know we exist is through confirmation through the other. And so mm-hmm. this song is like such a literalization of that like the existential plea to be recognized so that you can know that you're still alive and aren't aren't just, you know, a ball of emotions floating about in space. And this happening on a Katy Perry album with Max Martin production is, like, (laughs) shocking. It is. And, yeah, Katy was brushing up on her Lacan. And uh, (laughs) what I also love about Witness as a title for an album is, like, when you think about what witness means, it's like you think of crime. You do. You think of a crime scene. You think of something that you saw that you didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. And now something has happened to you that you can't get rid of. And so it's <laughs> like this statement where it's like, you're going to be a witness. It's it's scary. It's like, oh, my God, you know. And uh, I mean, some people would consider this album a crime, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's a victory, and I love the title track, and I've listened to it way <laughs> uh, more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> yeah, that, and it's the eye on the cover staring right at you and confronting you and pointing at you and saying, you're going to fucking witness this. And of You're going to look at me. You're going to look at me, look at me. And of course, I like understand that impulse because realistically what have i been doing on the podcast for like two months but like literally witness in real time like i'm literally like we all want to be seen like i need someone who can speaks my language someone to ride this ride with me (laughs) i'm like raking my listeners into my own you know emotional turmoil so that i can feel that this emotional like fucking rupture inside of me is is real and not like yes it's crazy this song is real it's too real can you see me i mean i know you can see me but can you really see me my name is Catherine hudson i'm vulnerable and strong i'm a woman an artist an artist artist. i'm liberated and i'm not always right I'm Katie. 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 You are single and ready to mingle.
After that, um, hey, 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 I like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I can this was a single, I think, which like, this was the last that. single because Katie had been so like talented with like hit making in like the rest of her career that she could easily run five, six, seven singles off an album, which is really mm -hmm. hard to do. And now most times people get one or two uh, singles for an album unless they're like real big blockbusters. And so they anticipated mm -hmm. that this album would do much better. I mean, it did fine, honestly. It like had. I think the highest opening sales of any of her albums. It's not like as much of a flop as people say it is, but um, mm -hmm. they did imagine that they could turn five of these songs into uh, singles. And "Hey Hey Hey" was the last uh, dying gasp of those. <laughs> and this is like literally the Trump derangement syndrome on level forty-five. It is spinning out of control. Um, but this is a feminist empowerment anthem about having her own money, driving her own monster truck, still being sexy and a boss, and it is definitely a pleading scream for help. A big, beautiful brain with a pretty face. A baby doll with a briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Marilyn Monroe in a, in a monster, monster truck. truck. <laughs> it's like... Like, what I love about some of the songs on Witness and what I love about Katie in general um, is that she embodies some of the most annoying elements of millennial women, but she does it in a way that's actually kind of charming. Mm -hmm. Like, especially with uh, Act My Age, which is the last track, this is like the anthem of millennial women. Like there's something specifically about millennial women where they just like, they don't want to grow up. Like they don't want to be adults, you know? Mm -hmm. And like a lot of witness kind of is that sentiment. It's kind of like goofy and like childlike, Yeah. <laughs> but she's doing it again in that way where she's holding that mirror. The eye, the single eye. Yeah. Uncomfortable with yeah, the reality. I feel like, there is such a phenomenon, which is that when women go through heartbreak, they can turn to this, like, really superficial feminism that, like, doesn't mean anything and is just kind of, like, reclaiming my power as a woman. Um, and mm -hmm. so this song doesn't come across to me as, like, her successfully 
um, speaking up for women's rights, but rather her, like, completely uh, failing to see that, like, the only reason she cares about the concept of women right now is because she feels scorned as one. And Mm -hmm. that is a, a political process that I'm really interested in, is, like, scorned women resorting to politics to like express their emotional anguish which is um it feels to me like the trump election and the mania surrounding that was like sort of this big psychic revenge uh where they cast trump as all men who've ever hurt them or disappointed Mm -hmm. them or grossed them out and so it gave them like the leverage to um politically express all of their exasperation with men. And so that really shines through on Marilyn Monroe in a monster truck, which I think about <laughs> every day of my life. <laughs> no, you're so right. And that's what is so fascinating about Witness because it's her John Mayer derangement syndrome sliding into Trump derangement mm-hmm. syndrome. Like these things slid you know, so easily into political um, activism and so much of like women's political activism is about like one time a guy broke up with them and, (laughs) you know, like it is, it's so easy, but it is also like on a more serious note, like it is easy to see how like the anguish of a massive heartbreak, uh, would be funneled into the outlet of Mm -hmm. Trump derangement, you know, like all of a sudden there's this outlet for you to like exercise your, your, you know, torment and also get like this feeling that you're doing something for the greater good, you know? So like, you get confirmation immediately. It's like sex. It's like the sort of like ambient, quote, activism, unquote, that was floating around in 2017 and 2018. It was all of this, like, very vaginally oriented, like, process of uh, women alchemizing their feelings into politics. And then because everyone was doing it, it gave you this, like, cultish sense of um, identity with everyone and that you were right. Mm -hmm. And it must have been really cathartic to explode upon that. And I keep thinking about how like this sliding process that you mentioned uh, depicting it in hey 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 is like so like preeminent because everything i see on the internet and all of like the screaming about whatever you know political nuisance is attacking us at the time it all just like feels like it's based in everyone's like neglected um state of eros it all feels like there's sexual hang-ups yeah. and their personal issues, like, being exploded into Israel and Gaza. Like, that's what it's really about. I know. Oh, my God. Ugh. I don't even want to talk about that bullshit. No, I girl. <laughs> when, activism, when activism was cute and it was about polar bears and penguins and it was about <laughs> the rainforest and it was about pick up your litter, like... Bitches need to get back to that, okay? <laughs> like go that, was, that was okay. Like this shit where people pretend that they know anything about foreign affairs is so it's it's hey hey hey, it's so like <laughs> it's Katy Perry did it better. Yeah. 
No kidding. Give Everyone it up. Just, like, just give it up. Give I'm like, it, I know you bitches up. don't care about this thing. This is you, like, you know, rubbing one out endlessly, <sighs> never wanting to achieve climax over fucking fake countries you don't even know anything about and never want to visit. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, come on. <laughs> None of it's real. Um, it's so preposterous and disheartening to see people. If people could swallow witness and they could swallow hey 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 they wouldn't be acting like this i don't know what people are thinking i'm gonna get out of them giving me a take about that because i don't i don't see any of it i don't know about mm-hmm. that i'm not pretending mm-hmm. like i know about it i haven't read a book about I don't that know her. <laughs> i don't know her um i'm anna nicole smith in the back of the car i don't have a thought <laughs> about that don't know about that and mm-hmm. People should embrace the fact that sometimes they don't know things um, because otherwise it turns into you rubbing one out. Hey, 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 Marilyn Monroe in the monster truck in public. And all of you look like fucking Katy Perry with that blonde hair right now when you tweet about that shit. <laughs> Low key. Yeah. They, no, they look like flashers in a trench coat. You know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah. following the timeline. It's just like dirty old flashers screaming about palestine and i'm like put that away you know your cock away put that back in the trench coat (laughs) i don't want to see that after a long day at work i don't want to see that (laughs) um okay hey 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 amazing um something else that's funny about this album is that a lot of it is produced by purity ring who which was like really big on tumblr when i was in high school and it's like that kind of like soupy airy like edgy not quite crystal castles electronic music that just like feels Mm -hmm. like overly crystallized synth stuff um and that's like an interesting sonic background it comes up in places and goes away in others like you hear it a lot on like power or mind maze and then there's songs like roulette which is the third song on the album and i love it too is the most like flash dance 80s empty warehouse jennifer beals it's so blaring and unique and i feel like pop at that time and now didn't sound like that it, no. it's this kind of 80s pastiche like i've said and so it sticks out for me um and so i, I enjoy listening to that one a lot well, something that's and, interesting uh, about the 80s pastiche here is that I I kind of, like, have been writing against, like, just the nostalgia fodder, but she's referencing the 80s, but in a way that doesn't feel like it's just an imitation. It feels like it was made in the moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So no, she did a wonderful job of, like, synthesizing everything. And she's it's also a reference, like I said, that's not done very often Mm -hmm. because again discussions of the 80s are so partisan and people want to cast it in one light or another instead of like diving into the flash dance austerity warehouse and uh so she it's just brilliant and so i love roulette um obviously we talked about swish swish which uh (laughs) <laughs> Nikki on that is so good so and it's so good. funny how the music video <laughs> uh, oh. it's all like Katie's goofiness and the memes and everything and then like Nikki is just like I don't want to do all that and so she just like performs you know a glamorous halftime show and is like yeah. get it together Katie 
And it's funny because, you know, she did do that halftime show that was, like, one of the best ever. Like, that yeah, up with Madonna I love is... Yeah, it's, it's brilliant and so refreshing um, and uh, was, like, a true rallying cry of, like, pop culture. Um, it felt really like collective and sweet and uh it is funny watching her like do like the failed version of that at the at the basketball arena with like f-list netflix celebrities i was like looking at the people it kept cutting to and i'm like who are these people she <laughs> has the girls people? from the glow show i know like whose that's idea what was i love that? about like it's like f-list 2017 people <laughs> it feels like ancient history yeah fascinating I, I guess the song is like technically like a a drag at Taylor Swift about some argument. I don't understand their drama. I've never investigated it. Um, they resolved it yeah. in a really poor um, Taylor Swift music video where they hug each other in um, hamburger and ketchup costumes, if I recall correctly. Oh, um, is that what that was? Yeah. Todrick so Hall was in that, and so was RuPaul. So, which is something Katy Perry did earlier when she like got drag queens to stomp around on this album. Her and Miley Cyrus were the first to do it, so good for them. Yeah, there was still kind of a novelty there. Um, but, yeah, Swish... I'm always, like, fumbling it. Swish, swish. swish. swish it doesn't is... roll off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. is fun, and... Uh, I, let's see, Deja Vu, I enjoy, Power I enjoy, uh, Miss You More. Oh, You man. know you're, like, going through it when you actually listen to Miss You More, and you're like, wow, I really feel this. I would say... Miss You More Than I Loved You, like... I miss you more real. than I <laughs> loved you. Like, okay, if you even listen to that song, you're fucked in the head, like... It's so, like, when you're, like, listening to the album all the way through, it's like you feel the impulse to skip the song within two seconds. Like, something about it, it's just, like, this does not need to be here. And then when you... And when you (laughs) willingly listen all the way through multiple times, that's a cry for help. Yeah, that's, uh uh-oh. That is (laughs) Katy Perry Witness emergency episode now level of we're in deep trouble. Yeah, and that's been me. I mean, like, (laughs) it's real though it is it is real i was so excited to listen to that when i was on my walk and it came on on the train and i was like oh so true katie i've i'm there right now (laughs) (laughs) your mind plays tricks with distance miss you more than i loved you Oh my god. How much of these lyrics do you think she writes? Like, what do you think is her process? Because my impression is that she is there when there's a bunch of people sitting around, like, hurried, like, like scraggling out, like, lyrics, and then she, like, gives inputs, and I think that she knows what she wants each song to be about, and so she'll mm-hmm. be like, I want to do roulette, I want to do a fun, like, you know, song about, you know, having a good time with your friends when you're feeling bad. And then she's like, okay, now I want to do a song about how I miss him. I think like, that's probably about... But then when you listen I to think, Swish yeah. Swish and the lyrics are so fumbled and weird, it's like, what's that lyric? Like, a shellfish or a sheep. What does that but mean? That's Katie. It's Katie. Like, like, that's I her, right? The, I think all the corniest lyrics come from her. Yeah. Straight from her sheltered Christian <laughs> homeschool vibes. 
Right. <laughs> and that's what I love about her. She is so corny. And like, she does come off like someone who was very sheltered for years yeah. because she has this kind of imaginative, almost childlike tendency to sing things like, yeah, like a shellfish and a sheep and the puppets. She's always having these puppet puppets. characters. Kitty Purry and then the sharks <laughs> and then and then play the residency was full of puppets. I mean, like she does have this kind of, you know, uh corniness to her. And so I feel like when she's saw when she's writing, the corniest stuff is coming from her. And yeah. like the rest of it is like filled in by the other songwriters. And I love all of her corniness. Me too. Like, it's it's so endearing and and special to her and especially now when everyone is so afraid of being cringe and anything that any white singer does is considered honky tonk you know nonsense like it's kind of refreshing and shocking almost that Katy Perry is so like corny honky girl <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it is refreshing and like even like um some of the songs on Prism, that one that was a single, This Is How We Do, do 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 <laughs> It's like all of it like feels like it's in that universe. And then seeing that universe thrown into like psychological disarray by the breakup and seeing like the sweethearted, wholesome Sesame Street puppet warmth of her like thrown into the cold 80s death drive over this like relationship yes. it's uncanny and real for sure um let's talk a little bit more about chain to the rhythm because like you said oh. this was on constant repeat on the radio this is the only song this and bon appetit were the only songs i remember encountering in the mm -hmm. wild outside of my own um like playlist making and curation and it is strange because it is a pop song about how pop music is, like, what is exactly the theme here? That it's, like, making us dull and blind to the perils of the world or something? I don't... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's very Josie and the Pussycats. Like, the pop music is brainwashing you. Yeah. Um, she's like, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it yielded some of the most glittering derangement live performances I've ever seen. Like, I love her Brit Awards performance, oh, her wow. Grammys performance. But my favorite has to be the iHeartRadio <gasps> I've seen this. Which features child laborers <laughs> mining. <laughs> While Katie runs on a hamster wheel, and then the child laborers unionize and overthrow the evil hamster, I guess the evil hamster capitalist, and then they kind of swarm Katie, like they're going to kill her. And then Suddenly Skip, last summer. Marley, Skip Marley, one of Bob Marley's illegitimate children, I'm guessing, one of the many... <laughs> um, is featured on it and he's saying some you know mumbo jumbo about like one love and blah 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 and you know katie was like wow like this is peace and that performance is absolutely unbelievable Skip and then Marley i think is it was really the, demonic on the this Brit awards or the 
What? <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just, like, saying that, like, Skip Marley's presence is so fucking bizarre. Because didn't know he existed. Yeah. Didn't think I had to take him seriously. Like, um, who? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Bob Marley is is also a product of, like, 35-year-old Christian mom culture when they're, like, imagining, like, cool black piece. It's, like, like the nicer yeah. version of, like, Malcolm X or something for them, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, they're like, whoa, he smoked weed? Oh, my God. Yeah, so he, Skip Marley is at home on this album, but sorry, you were saying about, like, the Brit Awards? Well, the one of the other funny live performances, I think, was the Grammys, where Katie's wearing, like, Hillary Clinton drag, and then and is like wearing a resist armband, and at the end of the performance, she goes, "No, hey!" <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's incredible because, like, you know, it, like nobody liked this stuff. Like people no like were embarrassed it. to look at it while they were having their derangement, and it was like, "Look at it, bitch!" Because this is you. This is how you look. Put your clown nose on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Smile. <laughs> yeah, no, she really... I No one liked it. It was so supremely uncomfortable. And it still managed to get played on the radio because it's, like, vaguely catchy enough. And it's some um, self-defeating pop music. Very death drive. The idea of having to sit through this with like, just a country having to, like, look at Katie go, No, hey! It's like... It is, like, the sort of, um, like, it, it is, like, this Faustian punishment, honestly, for what everyone, they got what they bought, you know, they got what they wanted. Yeah, it's what they deserved. Katie was going to give them what they deserved, you know, oh. and, like, I, I just love it so much Me for that. Too. And, um, the music video for Chain to the Rhythm is so funny because it's very Hunger Games. Yeah. And which is already a dated features, reference at this point. Yes. It features this like these uh cartoonish uh theme park like depictions of what she considered to be like unjust things in society. And so there's this like catapult in the music video that flings illegal immigrants over a wall. <laughs> and it's just like, absolutely like it just sparkles, you know, <laughs> it just sparkles. <laughs> dance, dance, dance. <laughs> to the distortion. Yeah. You think you're free. <laughs> Drink. Oh, Sia We're wrote some of this. And it's also like Grace Jones. Like she's making a Grace Jones reference, like Slave to the Rhythm, which yeah. again is like very 80s. And I forgot like, that you Sia kind of say like, that wrote that chorus too. Who wrote the chorus? Sia. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not, drink. This That sounds very Sia. And um, yeah, yeah that, that music video with the, the fake amusement park and all of like the pink teflon wigs and everything um it feels like she's trying to kill teenage dream um by soiling it with immigrants being thrown over the wall and like oh yeah. no everyone's looking at their phone that's no yeah. good stumbling around like a wasted zombie yeah 
This one, yeah, that's how I feel. Stumbling around like a wasted zombie, literally. Me and any night of the week post breakup. <laughs> She's right. I became chained to the rhythm um, to <laughs> deal with my pain. So, yeah. Very strange, very surreal, very unfortunate. Um, and like after this song, you mentioned earlier that this is like a slow motion, like turgid album that like goes on forever. And like the rest yeah. of the songs are like so, so slow. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a single upbeat song except for Bone Appetite after this. Even like Tsunami, which is like kind of like a big pop song is like seven minutes long and like <laughs> never ends. Yeah. Like, and then there's, act, I think act my age is like the little, a little more upbeat. Um, oh, there's that other one too. It's, um, what is it? Life's a pendulum. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Pendulum. Pendulum is, is rough. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's supposed to be like this climactic moment where she synthesizes like all of this um turmoil. It's it's like her those who don't fight won't survive moment, and it doesn't track. Yeah, she's kind of trying to be like Hegel or something, and she's like the the waves of history. <laughs> <laughs> no, girl, no. <laughs> what really works for me on this never-ending back half is the most horrifying song of all time, Save is Draft. Yeah. <laughs> Real. I, I'm so obsessed with this dumb song. Um, the lyrics are incredible. Um, I swear I saw your SUV on Sunset Boulevard. Oh, glittering. I remember when you used to be my every other thought. <laughs> like, I so get it. I struggle. Mm. I juggle. I could just throw a line to you, but I should let sleeping dogs lie because I know better, baby. I write it, erase it, repeat it. That's right. I've been listening. Yeah, I've been listening to this like so true, Katie. <laughs> what good will it do to reopen a wound? Well, I'm certainly going to try to find out. I'm going to write it, erase it, repeat it. (laughs) Oh, man. It's so real. Like, the way that she does just openly sing about the most undignified behavior people (laughs) demonstrate (laughs) (laughs) post-breakup. And she put it all in an album. She sure did. The world to see. I want to punctuate. You have to commend her. <laughs> I want to punctuate this, um, you know, with that kind of exhibitionist quality that she had on the album. Um, she exploded that into a week of li- of nonstop live streamed content called Witness Worldwide, where she basically yes. put herself in a Big Brother house and uh, she streamed herself having dinner with Caitlyn Jenner. Um, she had a girls' night. Um, she brought Neil deGrasse Tyson in to explain science to her for the first time. Um, she had her makeup done, and it was supposed to be, like, this all layers peeled back, like, depiction of herself. She did therapy live on air, um, and it is really staggeringly uncomfortable and wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. <laughs> and I remember when she brought the D-list YouTubers mm-hmm. into house and then made them watch her watch her old music videos. 
and they were it was a hostage situation (laughs) they didn't know how to react and so they were just trying to mirror her reactions and she was watching all her old music videos and she's like i don't remember that she didn't remember anything that she had done she was watching like hot and cold she's like i don't remember that she's watching waking up in vegas she's like i don't remember that and the the youtubers are just like kind of shaking and kind of like <laughs> what do we do they're like when do we leave you know and it's um it's just it's beautiful it's beautiful and during the whole run it it's really poorly archived unfortunately and i haven't been able to yeah. find like a whole download of the entire stream or something i'm sure some katie cat out there has most yes. of it archived but unfortunately a lot of and it is <laughs> There's like two or four, they have like sections at a time. It's like day four, or like day five, like two hours at a time. And what I noticed watching quite a few of them is that Katie won't stop talking. And she also doesn't listen when other people speak. And so it's just her like bulldozing through. Yeah. And I get it. People say that to me all the time. Thanks, Katie. I mean, I want to know what meds she was on because she was certainly like on stuff at this point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh my God, witness the interviews during the witness era. That one that you sent me, the um, Ellen, the magazine interview. Oh, oh, the, not, the not that Ellen, one, like the, the the written one. Yeah. Whenever a woman is like, you know, I'm in a really good place right now. And I've been making a lot of progress in therapy and I'm really working on changing how I do relationships and healing. (laughs) They are mentally unstable. You need to get out of there. Run. When women tell you they are healing. (laughs) Run, don't walk. (laughs) <laughs> emergency and Katie, exit witness is katie being like i'm in such a good place right now like that like it's just it's that energy like for a whole pop era and the the witness worldwide is just her so clearly demonstrating like psychotic behavior and being like I'm really healing and I'm doing so well right now. And I feel like I'm in a really good place right now. And she's like holding a gun to your head. (laughs) That's what it feels like to watch Witness Worldwide. Yeah, she has one gun on your head and one on her own. And her eyes are bulging in any moment. She's going to pull both triggers. Um, Yeah, the album is a hostage situation. It is (laughs) really, really quite disturbing and is such a, a perfect distillation of everything going on at that time. But I have to ask now, what have we learned from this record? Like, how are we going to use this album to keep going? Because I need it now more than ever. Can I get a witness? Yeah, well, what I've learned from listening to Witness, the the whole album, every single day for like a month now, is that (laughs) it will... It's like an exorcism for a breakup. And it's like this catharsis Mm. that I've, you know, I don't really find with many other albums. And I think that Katie crucified herself. She died for our 
collective Trump derangement since. <laughs> she died a social death. She killed her career to free us all from our sins. Oh. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. Well, I couldn't say it any better myself. Um, this really is her death filmed for all to see for a week at a time. She recorded every excruciating detail of her expiration, and she will never recover from this album. We've lost her, um, and it's so, so sad. Um, she, unlike Jesus, was not allowed to be resurrected, and now she just lingers on Earth as, like, a holy ghost. Um, and... Yeah, she, I mean, I don't want to say she's doomed to, like, the Vegas, like, residencies and stuff, because I find them to be quite dignified, honestly, but she'll never be, like, significant again. I don't think that there's room for her um, in in culture anymore. They pushed her out, and she let her body get ripped apart, and all of her fame swallowed and put through the wood chipper um, so that we could all witness, truly. And now there is no Katy Perry. There's just... Catherine Hudson up there and her baby Daisy. Yes, I hope Katie can maybe find a new outlet, maybe star in movies, find something because her inner radiance needs to be projected and yes. you know maintained in pop culture. But she sacrificed herself. And I, I feel that history will be kind to Katy Perry. I think that people are going to come around and really understand this album in about 15 years, honestly. I think that when we start doing more reflection on um, what only the bold and the beautiful like us can realize now, people will realize how significant and monumental this piece of art is. And yeah, I know she just sold, I think all of the rights to her music she just sold it like i don't she did something mm -hmm. and she made like like 500 million dollars or something off of it and yeah. you know it, it feels to me like you know she's kind of like in the tropical island you know just like harley's in hawaii harley's in hawaii she's she's not coming back you know she's gone she's in galt's gulch <laughs> like yeah she can rest on her laurels now because I feel like she accomplished so much. Yes. And Katie is very much in the share lineage of being a performer first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And she will continue to perform and put on a good show. And I think we are all lucky to, to witness her. <laughs> <laughs> well, those who don't fight won't survive. I'm 30-something going on 13 Still a sponge to everything Saucer eyes wide, yeah, I still believe And a sparkle in my step, smiling with my teeth They say that I might lose my mind as much They also say I may become
Did it?